If we ever get off this planet, we'll have to turn in Mariner, won't we? Yeah. Feels bad reporting anyone in Starfleet, much less a friend. Was she our friend, or were we just cover for... Shh. Quick, in there! to watch. Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me watching are... Adam Bowen. <laughs> Emily Bowen Marlar. And Rudy Kusbaker. <laughs> welcome to Strange New Takes, and welcome to this strange new world of new Star Trek. It's so exciting. I think we're on our third, fourth, fourth. episode, fourth episode of the second season of Lower Decks, Mugato Gumato. You say Mugato, I say Gumato. <laughs> William Shatner says Mugutu. No, okay. Follow us. Follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's a convenient way to also tell your friends about the podcast. You can tag them in the replies or, you know, do that old-fashioned thing that people do when they move their mouths and sound waves come out and hit people's ears. You can do that, too, to share, uh, share word of our podcast with your friends. And... If you don't mind you can head to our website over there you'll find a link to our apple podcast profile if you head over there you can rate us five stars uh that would really help us out if you can do that please i will read any review that you post on there on the podcast as well basically if you rate us high we shoot up the podcast search list when someone says i want to listen to a star trek podcast they put that into the search list if you rate us well will pop up higher on the results. So we really appreciate you giving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Wow, that, that was incredible. That had so much information stuffed into there that I, I just, I, I feel like I need to go do it myself, but then I don't know that I count. Um, you so, count, Adam. Yeah, You I, count. I, you always count. I do? Okay. Yeah. I, you I appreciate are heard. that. Well, my, fi my five-star rating will be read through the generations. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm going to give you a spoiler warning uh, because like basically every other one of these episodes, we're going to be spoiling a whole lot of Star Trek, including this episode. Uh, we might spoil a little bit of Zoolander too. And uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just get going. All right. Well, as Emily told us earlier, we're going to be talking about the episode Mugato Gumato. It's the fourth episode of the second season of Star Trek Lower Decks. First aired only a couple of days ago, 2nd September 2021. It was written by Ben Rogers. It was directed by Jason Zurek. And the in-universe date is 2381. All right, we always start 
with our strange new takes. Who's got a strange new take for me, crew? I'll kick this off. Um, so my general strange new take is um, visiting here um, in the Twin Cities and, and the uh, neighborhood um, that I'm um, temporarily staying in. I got a first-hand view of um, cooperation in a community where people have free libraries and vegetables that people can pick up off the streets, and that was really nice. I'm not saying we don't have that um, as much in Austin, but uh, it really does feel good. And, and if, if, if any of you are living in communities which have, uh, you know, tightly laced houses and neighbors, um, this is a good time to share. Um, obviously, COVID safe, but good time to share. Um, my Star Trek take or take for this episode is I'm going to call out that... Um, I believe I have an ability to predict where these episodes are going because none of you are ever going to say that, right? You're not going to uh, compliment me, but uh, I liked the plate and the plate became an episode. I talked about um, pairing Boimler and Rutherford together last time. I said that was a missed pairing and uh, behold, we have Boimford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did think it was kind of nice. odd when you came up to me last year and was like, the Mogatos are going to fuck on Lord Decks. <laughs> And I was like, no, that, that, that can't happen. And goddamn, here we are. Uh, no comment. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I mean, Rudy, you were talking about like all the perks of being up in the Twin Cities, like some of those that you don't have in Texas. And I started thinking about how, yeah, uh, Texas really has, um, you know, limited some freedoms for people in that state. And not just for half the population. I mean, also, we got some voting legislation that went through that's somewhat limiting to certain segments of the population. So, yeah, if you want to yep. be free, don't live in Texas. Um, so that wasn't going to be my strange new take, but now it is. So <laughs> anyways, my strange <laughs> new take for the world, because all of you listeners, you had no idea what my thoughts are in any current events at all, since I never talked about those <laughs> things on the podcast. Um my strange new take for the show was Notch sent me a message on Thursday morning and said, uh, you might not want to have Dietrich in the room with you when you watch this episode. And so then I was pondering, so how well does Notch know me? Does he, is he telling me this because there's something really violent in the episode? Or is he telling me this because there's a sex scene in the episode? So then we always watch Lower Decks after Dietrich goes to bed anyway. So no big deal. But Travis and I were sitting on the couch getting ready to watch it. And I see the rating come up for sex and violence. And I'm like, oh, I still don't know. I still don't know why not told me. And then the first scene happens and we're like, oh, this this could be the scene because that's a pretty violent scene. And my child does not like any scenes that have like interpersonal conflict. And definitely, you know, punching people and breaking their bones. That's some interpersonal context or conflict. So I thought, ah, it's this is you know, this could be what Notch was talking about. But no, as as the show progressed, I figured out it actually <laughs> was a different scene that Notch was referring to. <laughs> but I want to be on the record to say I have more problem with violence in... Oh, oh goodness gracious, here comes a four-legged animal into my room. I have more uh, concerns about my child seeing violence than I do sex. 
obviously if it's violent sex, I have major problems with him seeing that. So, you know, I just want to, I want the violence to not be a part of my child's media consumption, but in this country, that's hard to come by. So. Well, uh, so for my strange new take, um, I guess uh, maybe we'll go on on that that violence streak. So something that you need to get used to when you have chickens is that uh, even though they are adorable little ladies and they their combs just kind of flop back and forth and uh, they don't want you to pet them, uh, but they do want to have your tasty uh, treats uh, provided to them. Uh, if they find small creatures in their uh, coop, they are going to murder them, uh, or they're going to do their very best to to murder them. So uh, the the ladies uh, murdered their uh, I think it's their third or fourth mouse uh, uh, recently. So uh, they haven't quite figured out how to how to eat those little guys yet, but uh, someone puts a pretty pretty big dent uh, into the side side of those mice, and uh, so yeah. Uh, found that a little bit earlier. <laughs> I have to say, I have a cat, and while she murders mice, she's murdered a couple of mice. She murders them by playing with them to death. Like, like she doesn't actually. Like, if you were to look at the mouse, you wouldn't know that a cat killed it. You know, like it just looks <clears> like it died. She just kind of. Oh. You know, yeah. chases them or bats them around, but I don't know. But there are no teeth marks. She doesn't like eat them or anyway. I'm distressed yeah, this by your is, chickens. The, 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 there are triangle depressions in these these mice, and then maybe some uh, bones that are in different directions than they're supposed to be. So, uh... <laughs> did they play? Did they? What was the game they were playing? I forgot at the beginning of the Diplomath. Lower Decks episode. Diplomat. <laughs> Diplomat. Uh, oh no! I was thinking of the one where oh. uh, what's her face oh, breaks their Ambo faces. Jitsu. Ambo, Ambo Jitsu. Oh. That's right. That the chickens are playing Ambo Jitsu with the, with yes, the mice. Yes. <laughs> oh, and uh, I then for the episode, I guess I I should talk about the episode. Uh, I think that you all know exactly the moment of the episode where it became a ten rating for me. So uh, let's just get going. <laughs> Oh man, so many places I can go with my strange new takes. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll do one of my uh, kind of reflective ones, which is, man, state fairs are great. I love them. Uh, we, I took uh, Rudy here, who's visiting me, to the state fair with his wife, and we just had a great time eating all sorts of fried food, going to the CHS Miracle Birth Center where you can watch animals give birth. Uh, checking out like various artists, uh, you know, carnival rides. We didn't ride any of the carnival rides, but it was just fun watching people scream their heads off as they fly in the air 300 feet above the ground. Uh, probably less than that, but still. It's just a good time, y'all. I missed the state fair last year. This was this was great. And so um, if you have a local state fair, check it out. See if uh, see if that's something that appeals to you. Uh, and And, you know... Give yourself a break from any sort of uh, restrictions you have on activities or foods or whatever for the day, and uh, you'll come back a little bit uh, happier. But for Star Trek, I yeah, I mean, I fell out of my chair laughing multiple times in this episode, and I guess I just want to explore whether Patingi was supposed to be Steve Irwin. So we should we should talk about that at some point. All right, okay, 
Let's talk about this episode in depth. The summary for Memory Alpha is the USS Cerritos is dispatched to a planet to investigate an unexplained sighting of a dangerous Mugato. And for those of you who may have noticed that multiple words were used to refer to the Gamato in this episode, here's a little explanation. The Mugato first appeared in the original series episode of Private Little War. The creature was named Gumato in the script, but DeForest Kelly couldn't pronounce the word Gumato. Okay, he was just like, I can't do this. So th the name was changed in the script to Mugato. However, Kel both Kelly and William Shatner then proceeded to pronounce that as Mugatu. <laughs> but the 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 kind of stunt actor slash animal imitator Janos Prohaska was credited in the credits as the Gumato, because apparently whoever created the credits wasn't informed of the name had changed. <laughs> and side note, Ben Stiller, who's a big Star Trek fan, named the Zoolander villain Jacobin Mugatu, played by Will Ferrell, of course, after the Mugato in this episode. So... He kind of yeah. resembles the Mugato, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that... that, that... That, that's definitely what helped uh, provide that suspicion to me as I was watching this episode. I'm like, oh, I, I bet that that was. <laughs> that can maybe help save a little bit Zoolander for me because Zoolander has not held up for me after repeated yeah. viewings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, it, it's best left as if you can all make the blue steel face. Blue steel faces are still funny. Yes, and <laughs> uh, I, I think you can you can uh, do the. <laughs> Like a just, little coughing scene. I, I think that one works too. Um, just just watch the clips of your just watch <laughs> clips of your favorite memories on on YouTube. Don't go watch the whole movie. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah, a good. Yeah. That's a good it's, way to do it. There's yeah, a lot the, of American the, Center for Ants. Other movies yeah. like Harold and Kumar, where it's exactly the same way. Where if you watch the entire movie, you're gonna just wonder what you were like as a child and whether <laughs> you need to question your teenagers. Uh, so anyway. Uh, well, one of the nice things about this episode is we saw Nomulans for the first time since Enterprise. Oh, That's yeah. That's what they I, were. I, I completely <laughs> forgot about that because it, it, it was just a throwaway thing at the very beginning. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was funny because I was looking at them. I'm like, I know I'm supposed to recognize that species. And I just could not pull it up. And it's, I'm sure if I'd watched it a second time, I would have been able to. But Well, and the, the, the nice thing is that since they're animated, like we don't have to like blow the the special effects budget on the episode like for having them get surprised by something because I, I don't I we saw that maybe happen twice I don't even know if there's a if there's a second time I, I know for sure one time I think it happened, in West Face. Bar. It, it happened in the bar and I think it happens once before that on Enterprise as well because it's like they were they were playing around with the VFX in that first season to be like this is different it's not Neelix at all <laughs> so did they have did they have the um the denobulans like you know have the really big smile on the episode or no i didn't think they do that because no, I, I think they were just talking about they coffee they were just talking about coffee and how human coffee oh, yeah. and and they wanted to have that and stuff so well uh there were three plots in this episode we got to see the the mugutu plot is the a plot we then had tendi and tana in the b plot and then there was that Weird trader with the ex ex exploding ship C plot where the captain gets scammed. I enjoyed that very much. Um, so um, why, don't we, why don't we take that last one first? Because basically, what happens is that the, the trader is fleeing uh, his his horn buying 
adventure with the Ferengi and, and Captain Freeman tractor beams his ship and it he, he rigs it to explode so then he can exploit the empathy of Starfleet to get a new ship. I find that a very uh, risky scam strategy. Like, what if the the captain or the ship you're trying to scam does not tractor you and uh, does not get you out in time? The, the high stakes. Um, but I guess it's targeted specifically at at species that are known to be benevolent and um, oh yeah, you know, feel I, like, I'm like, sure. Imagine like a Romulan. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. Oh no! <laughs> they they have already fired upon you. <laughs> uh, the or or maybe they're the ones that sold you the ship in the first place or something. But the uh, I I I feel like the I it's it was probably something that's targeted like just at the Federation. And I think the the thing that makes it a safe scam to run is that. Uh, it is very unlikely that the captain is from the mirror universe. Uh, and that's the only case where you'd really have to worry about it too much. Yeah, if you get, uh, what was, uh, oh, frick, Jason Isaac's character in Discovery. Oh, am I forgetting? Yeah, I can't remember his name now either. <laughs> I totally God, knew it until we... you said that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> We need to listen right. to more Discovery podcasts. L. <laughs> we are the worst Star Trek fans. Lorca. <laughs> Lorca. Captain Lorca. Lorca. I, if, it if, did start with an L. There we go. If, if Lorca emergency transports you out into his like little ma- shipboard menagerie and you just become like a captive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, tr- he practices his weapons on you. That, that would be not so great. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed that uh, we got to see kind of a low level scam, and I mean it's I I also saw it as a reference to Voyager's like unlimited shuttles, where yeah. you know, oh yes yes where yes Freeman's <laughs> like we just say it went into a black hole and black. Just <laughs> it seems to happen a lot, <laughs> so I I enjoyed that part of it. It was also interesting to have a refresher of. Um... Captain Freeman's collectibles. I don't know. There was a pineapple in there. Was there a story behind it? Like some Riza thing? Or oh, yeah. Some sort of golden pineapple? Or... <laughs> yeah. Was it an actual fruit? Well, and wasn't she... She was collecting a bunch of things from all of the either missions or things that she did with her mm-hmm. daughter in that interim. So we don't know. What, yeah. You know, anyway. So there were a bunch of things that was that was referenced in the first episode this season, I think. I, I see it as kind of a reference to how, like, you know, decorative pineapples are, like, all the rage at, like, Target and H&M. And wherever you go, you find those, like, ceramic pineapples with, like, gold yes. leaves or whatever. And so that that's kind of what I saw it as a reference for. Also, there is a memory alpha page on pineapples. Harry Kim wore a Hawaiian shirt with a pineapple motif to a Hawaiian luau on board the USS Voyager in 2373. <laughs> in 2270, pineapples were among the fruit on a dining table on the uss enterprise <laughs> yeah i mean you know oh, oh my god memory alpha critical <laughs> context <laughs> multiple <right>? references <laughs> so captain carol freeman kept a pineapple on an anti-gravity stand in her ready room on the uss cerritos which her daughter ensign beckett mariner called one of her captain's trinkets so yeah and uh Miglimo told her she was being a pineapple, at which point Freeman groaned in exasperation and told him to stop referencing foods in Crisis Point. <laughs> so, 
very I, meta. Yeah, we don't really know exactly why she has it, but uh, some possible explanations. If we if we run out of uh, stuff to talk about in season like seven of Lower Decks, pineapple episode. There you go. All right, let's 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 uh, let's go backwards. Let's talk about the the B plot with Tendi and Taana, and uh, Tendi gets assigned to get scans of recalcitrant crew members refusing to subject to their annual evaluations. Of yeah, course, I, the I, one she couldn't get was Taana. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Oh I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I loved. It's, it's like a perfect task to to send Tendi after, uh, with sure. how, how like, into, especially like we've already set up that she wants to be, uh, promoted or like get, uh, at least in the good graces of Taana. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I, I loved, loved this, this part in it. Uh, had a fabulous chase. And more more opportunities to see uh, uh, Taana be a, be just a cat. <laughs> uh, it was, that was the best. She was a cat at the vet, you know. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it also made me think that it, it's. I mean, I guess Jeffrey's tubes are meant to be small so that they don't take up too much space. But everybody's crawling in them across multiple series and hundreds of years of technological evolution. Um, so I used to always wonder why, but maybe it was something that uh, Starfleet picked up from the Cations and <laughs> it's just stuff for, it's just tubes for cats to run around and uh, hide and play in. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's, um, there was also, that, I, I feel like this plot is also the, the kind of setting for a few quick jokes. Like, you know, you, sometimes I feel like I, I've written some sketch comedy in my life and you write like longer sketches sometimes out of which like one quick set piece like two lines might be funny and the rest is complete garbage and something like this which sends Tendi to find different crew members you know so you get Stevens making his like cracky bones uh reference or like you see Jet getting punched in the face by Keishan like that kind of stuff you get to like throw it in when you have a crew member going to different places on the ship on this kind of like RPG style uh mission you know yeah <laughs> So yeah, what what was basically a fetch quest kind of thing. right? <laughs> I, I wonder also if us seeing the chef, we saw a chef getting scanned finally on that like uh, the you know the paragliding scene, which I don't know which one of the two she was scanning the the guy who the lady who was on his shoulders or the the person uh, was it were they parasurfing oh, yeah. or whatever? I don't know exactly what that was. I can't remember now. But the I don't guy know which... looks familiar though. Like I've seen okay. him before, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, to look that... him up on Memory Alpha, maybe. <laughs> I was wondering if that was a reference to the um, to the fact that we never see the chef on Enterprise, and the only time we do, it's Riker playing him in the holodeck in the final episode. So it Is should it have been Riker us... playing, being the chef would have been yeah, funny. Yeah, I, 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 there you go. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I could have gone for that, but maybe this is also just reassure us that this is not. Uh, a just something that's simulated for Riker as he's on the Titan. Uh, <laughs> just make the series as confusing as possible. <laughs> I, I think also the the the, the Tana part is kind of the you know the final chase scene is kind of one of the ways that this show you know when the actors said in their ready room appearance and in some of their press appearances they said that like this season is more of us being ourselves like we've hit our stride. It's more of Lower Decks just being even more confidently about what Lower Decks is about. 
I think that's it. You know, we got like one or two cat moments last year. And now it's just like, Tana's free to do whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm totally yeah. here for it. I love it. <laughs> I, I think there's a certain yeah, mixture of... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's it, it, it's it's absolutely uh, what what we need from the show is to to like have everyone be like more comfortable with what they're with what we like about them and then yeah just let it go. I think there's a certain mixture of um, comedy and intrigue and like Nachi were saying um, quick one liners that makes it a good package um, and I think this is one of the episodes that that. Is, is getting there. There were one or two in the first season as well. Um, I have I have a slight detour though around the B plot. Um, so we we like to show uh, explore alien and uh, you know differences in alien and not anatomy in terms of green skin and different colored blood. Um, but did you all notice that Tendi had uh, Orions have white bones, um, and so other bipeds have white uh, endoskeletons and that part's similar across i guess i mean um isn't there that episode of tng where it's one alien species seeding the entire galaxy oh yeah so maybe they have the white bones the chase or something isn't it yeah yeah we have to yeah, review that at some point white bones is what brings us all together uh i mean I, and white boning I, I, yeah, is I, what brings the mugatu together <laughs> aren't those yellow i don't know <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to do that every time, even though none of our listeners can see what I'm doing. Uh, Emily is doing the horn uh, stroking that we got to see in the episode. Um, but I'm trying to save comments for that when we get into that plot, but yeah, I'll... I'll I yeah, also, I'll uh, while Rudy was talking just now, I looked it up. Lars Lundy is the chef. He has been in other uh, episodes of, of Lower Decks. Uh, he was one of the holograms mm. that uh, Mariner, quote-unquote, interacts with in the controversial episode from season one. Oh, okay yeah but uh yeah he, he was the one who was he was just surfing there was no batter surfing it was he was just surfing so well uh i i any other final notes about tana and tendy and the cracky bones from stevens um i like the i, I the go ahead I, I i just i love seeing how much uh tana just like wants to do shacks I forget that I like I completely forgot that that was a thing from season one. But, uh, it's just incredible. Yeah, she just uh, has some insatiable appetites there for sure. Uh, I liked um, I liked the the doors of the med bay. They had this nice I I don't know what it's called. My apologies, but that uh, medical sign, the snake wrapping around the. The, the Roman sign, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it takes mm -hmm. up the whole, uh, the door, and it's like mm -hmm. a big blue sign. I've never seen that in any other Star Trek before. I feel like it's a, am I imagining this? Do they have that symbol? Uh, is it like a clear door, or there's like a clear window or something on in sickbay and Next Generation that has it on there? Maybe. Or am maybe. I Yeah, I, I think I've, I've seen it on like a frosted uh, background, yeah. with, but like it's clear. Yeah. Not I feel you like know it's a what real that sign symbol. is called the the medical it is, sign it is. With yeah. Roman something tied to the Hippocratic based, Oath or whatever. I think it. Um, I don't. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's the, like universal symbol I think it of comes like from medicine. Moses. Medicine, yeah. Moses. I think it has huh. something to do with the staff and Moses as well too. But I'm gonna have to look it up now. 
I yeah. liked it. Oh, right, here we go. The caduceus is the traditional symbol of Hermes and features two snakes winding around an open winged staff. It is, often mis it is often mistakenly used as a symbol of medicine, especially in the United States, but this is incorrect. Uh-oh. The correct symbol of medicine is the rod of Asclepius, which is only one snake and no wings. Well. So. They talk about, I guess in the Bible, um, it was, uh, the staff was used to cure snake bites or something in the desert. So that's how it has a connection between Moses and medicine. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. That was actually genuinely like something I did not know. Like uh, they should they should have an engineering logo going into the engineering bay or the warp core and I don't know, a command logo going into the bridge. Just Yeah. All right, let's take a break right here. We will come back and discuss the A plot. <laughs> Easy, mates. You're safe with me. Great. Uh, who are you? I'm Patingi. The renowned biologist. I have five books on Mogatos. For real? Can you help us get out of here? Of course, mates. I've been studying these beautiful Mogatos for years. I walk you right to safety. Ah, oh, you're the best, Patingi. I know. Come on, stay low. Follow me. Oh, 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 oh. Man, Patingi rules. Right? Hi, hi, Lieutenant. Uh, sorry to bother you, but uh, it says here that you haven't come in for your annual physical. Uh, I'm pretty busy. I'll get to it when I get to it. Uh, well, actually, time is of the essence and... I said I'm busy. Patinky, <laughs> are we going to be in your next book? Hmm? Oh, no, I don't write, mate. I've read five books on Mugeos. Wait, what? Yeah, I figured I knew enough to walk amongst them. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. See? I'm not one of their own. Oh. Oh, Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're going to jump into discussing the meat of this episode, which uh, will not involve any Mugatu meat or Mugatu horns crushed but up. maybe dung. Yeah, maybe dung. But no, no horns crushed up into... Uh, uh, stuff that quote unquote makes you powerful. Uh, so we're not gonna do that right now. And it was, it was, I thoroughly enjoyed what Lower Decks did with this one off creature in the original series. So, Mugat, the Mugatu appeared in one episode. One Mugatu, I think there was like maybe two of them that appeared in, in the, the a private little war. And this series has now defined the entire species. It's fantastic. Yeah, uh... it, it, that's the best thing about about Lower Decks is like we, we get to flesh out all of these just like completely random one-off things that were not important, never discussed ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we get yeah, to I was see trying, I was... the 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 Ferengi whips. Yeah. So they don't, yeah. they, do, they ever, do they have those ever again after the last outpost or was it just in the last outpost? I don't recall seeing one before, but I, I also loved the explicit call out to the last outpost in the episode. <laughs> you know what's funny? So so what you just referred to is um, 
uh, essentially Mariner saying, you guys are some creepy throwback last outpost style Ferengi. And there's a moment at which Quark actually makes that reference in DS9 too. Here, here's, a, here's a quote from Reddit. There's a, there's a username, Captain Crump, who says this. I love the double meaning referring to Fer the Ferengi's haphazard ways introduced in TNG's last outpost and Quark's last outpost speech from DS9, The Dogs of War. Meaning the Ferengi has likely progressed following Grand Nagus, Rom, and Mugi's influence, and there are some sects that believe in Ferengi traditionalism. Here's the quote from Quark. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, the Ferenginar that I knew doesn't exist anymore. No, I take that back. It will exist right here in this bar. This establishment will be the last outpost of what made Ferenginar great. The unrelenting lust for profit. So... Uh, there was some cringing online about the references, like, how did she know the episode name? But I think here, this is kind of a cool uh, cool reference to Quark's speech. <laughs> well, also, and Quark, like... or, he's in it, right? Um, Armin Shimmerman was in the last outpost also, right? Yeah, yeah, as a different character. Not as Quark, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I keep I... talking over everyone, so sorry. Oh, no, it... Well, and it, now it's now it's even harder since we have like uh, two of us are are like in the same room, so there's no lag between them. <laughs> but uh, for for me, I I I don't know. I I I love it when they they do that like slight fourth wall breaking stuff in in lower decks. I'm totally fine with it. I I don't I don't mind if she if like these characters have seen episodes of Star Trek or or things like that. I I, I just. Um, <laughs> I don't know when, when when we get explicit callouts to like knit titles of episodes. I I it's it gets me every time. Boimler was humming the Voyager theme, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I loved it. <laughs> and to your to your question earlier about the energy whip, it's appeared in three episodes: Enterprise's acquisition, the last outpost on TNG, mm -hmm. and then there was an action figure, Ferengi action figure, holding a toy energy whip, in the DS9 episode Ferengi love songs. So, yeah. So, and now this one. So, I, I appreciate it. Um, now, I feel like this was a, this a plot was perfectly executed. I I think this is one of the few times in Lower Decks where every single scene of a of a particular like plot or sequence was just fantastic. Up upping the ante every single time. Um, I I fell out of my chair when Pertingi showed up. I fell out of it again when we had the sex scene. It was just... They just took... I mean, this whole plot was just so absurd. Like horn smugglers. Like Ferengi horn smugglers. <laughs> breeding... Breeding Mugatu for their, uh, for their horns. Yeah, it and, gives and new I... meaning to the term horny. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I just, I love how it, like, yeah, it, it, it turns it into, like, a perfect Star Trek story of, like, oh, but they're an endangered species, we need to take care of them, like, uh, so, like, we're, we, we, we understand why the Federation is there and trying to intervene as well, and it just, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's it's such like a seamless way to just give us a lot of hilarious jokes uh, that just, like, really works well on this episode. <laughs> So I drew a comparison in how they kind of, um, so it had a very Jurassic Park vibe to it, obviously, right? But they kind of went the other mm. way or they went the reverse order in terms of chronology where um, they had the uh, evil um, 
profiteer, profiteering poacher type of people mm-hmm. up front who then became the more park-like people later on. I, and, and that's that's the other way around in Jurassic Park. And, um, but yeah. Um, I wish we'd seen the head cl- uh, cleaner, Ferengi Kink, K-Y-N-K, wearing uh the like white safari suit with the hat and beard. the like the beard and the the cane at the end <laughs> oh like a negus cane so, yeah there you go so there are just so many sex references that are laced throughout this beyond just really Nato. i mean his name kink yeah let's have a conversation about that the fact that the frangies are using their whips and this is one of three episodes that we've seen frangie and where they're using whips even though we've seen frangie in tons of episodes so anyway I just have to point out that <laughs> they were really going for the sex in this episode. And, you know, uh, Tana, you know, and, and her mm. desire for Shaq. See, it's just everywhere. <laughs> it was a very sexy episode of Trek. It was. It was. I and There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, what's the right word? Uh, pearl clutching would be the pejorative way to put it. Or concern that, that. Uh, a, a Mugato sitting there stroke like telling the two Mugato to keep having sex or like stroking its horn doesn't be- quote unquote belong in Star Trek and I'm sorry man it does now <laughs> yeah, like, I mean if, hey if, I already if, wasn't letting my kid watch Lower Deck so <laughs> yeah if Enterprise forced us to watch like 37 decon scenes we Seriously. can have a Mugato pleasuring itself <laughs> Right, and and I mean, like, it's not like something like, you know, Court of Honor where we're going to look back at 30 years and be like, oh my god, this is so offensive, or some ridiculous stuff like that, which truly doesn't belong in Star Trek. This is just, like, this show, like Bill was saying last week, it's a joke. This whole show is a joke. They're going to go too far early and often, and we just have to get over it and enjoy it for what it is, and I really enjoyed it. We're, we're not. I am way more offended by the way they dressed women in the original series than I am by some Mugato stroking its horn. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where no show has gone before. Um, and who knows, <laughs> maybe the turn on, uh, turn on included the fact that there were two humans under a log. Um, <laughs> we will never know. Oh, shit. You know what? What? This, okay, all right. I grew up in the late nineties, early two thousands. Okay, I was in college in the in the mid two thousands, basically. And there was a famous viral video at that point called "Shake That Pear." If any of you know, do any of you know what I'm talking about? These two people go out, they hunt a bear and shoot it, and then they have sex on top of the bear. And while they're having sex, one of them says, "Shake that bear, shake that bear," and this. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it might be a little too obtuse, but this might be like kind of like what Rudy said might be kind of a reference to that almost. That is not what I said. I did not know. Having about. sex on top of the humans <laughs> in the log. I have no Nosh, knowledge. I don't know. I wonder if I should be worried about you that you know about the existence. <laughs> no, it, was, it was the kind of thing where like some notch. dude in, in the residence hall is like, yo guys, see what I got and brought their like laptop or everyone gathered around. You know, like the, the weird like viral videos that gross everybody out like this was one of them like back in the days where every you couldn't send the link to somebody you actually had to bring everybody around the screen and like be like check this out and then you know the jump scare happens or whatever like it was that kind of stuff like this is like 2005 we're talking about so um 
Yeah, it's uh, uh. it was it was definitely one of those early extra internet videos. So um, man, that just made me think of that. Also, you know that there's a podcast out there where right now, as we are recording this, that podcast is recording a. Well, we gotta make physiological sense of why stroking a Mugato horn made sense. So are there blood vessels in there? Like, can we discuss well, the, the... That makes it even worse in terms of, like, sawing them off, right? Like, the one that's running around behind... <laughs> no, we're not going there. We're not becoming the podcast that discusses this. Well, we that's just the one. We do have... That was the okay, we one do that have was... species... They do have species who have their uh, sex or their genitals in their kneecaps, so you know. Or, I or mean, the, there's precedent in Star Trek. Yeah, the, the, yeah, it's 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 part of canon. Like this is something that Star Trek talks about. So well, two things. It was the irritated one with the sawed-off horn that was chasing uh, Boimford all over the place. And yes, um, um, genitals in in the facial area. There's that Balchinian, right? In MIB, the one. <laughs> This is like a really <laughs> clefty chin. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of places we can go that I, I don't want us to go. And uh, this is where I'm going to take us on a sharp left turn. Hard um, left. Oh, hard, no. Did I just... The, the forecast took a hard left. <laughs> the bad. <laughs> this is not going well. Hey, by the way, speaking of, speaking of British accents, Patingi... Played by uh, Robert Gilbert, who played the English badass, or maybe that guy was also Australian. I don't know. Uh, so I was gonna say that wasn't an English accent. Yeah, that was an Australian <laughs> accent, and and so Robert Gilbert is the actor. He plays he plays the the badass like dude uh, who kind of looks like Rutherford on the Titan, who goes on the away mission with Boimler a couple of episodes ago. Uh. Same actor. So uh, yeah, I whole <laughs> Patingi thing was so weird. He just shows up for like three scenes and is dead. Well, I liked how he pronounced he, he, Mugat, uh, Mugato. He said, yeah, he said, Mugatos, Mugato, Mugatos, Mugatos. So was it just a reference to these like man versus wild type, like weird TV show badasses? Like, is that, is this Steve Irwin? Like Dundee. I mean, he was he was dressed just like Steve Irwin, and definitely, I I, I thought that that's where they were going to take things. I I got a little worried about uh, them making jokes that would have felt too soon for me, but then just, <laughs> just, yeah. I just got beaten. Sorry, I just got bit off immediately. Sorry, another reference point. Why were Boimford crawling yeah. behind him? He was walking around and they were crawling behind him. Because he said to keep low. Like, oh, stay low. Yeah, he said stay low. And then he <laughs> said, <stayed> oh, hi. <laughs> and then he got his head eaten. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. That uh, makes sense. <laughs> no. kept trying to make his little, his little grunting <laughs> noises. Right. And he's a Tellerite, right? Yeah, yes. I think so. He was a Tellerite. <laughs> I okay, so one other thing. This show picks funny words and names really well. Like last week we had Papusa, this week we have Patingi, and like they just they just insert really funny like audio cues, which I really appreciate uh as well. <laughs> um well there's also the so so I guess one of the things we can we can transition into talking about character development here. Actually, one other thing before we get to character development. I liked the, this this plot. You know, there's a lot of like complaints about like, oh, Star Trek is too much action. It's too action driven. We don't have enough like 
you know, Picard standing in front of a window thinking about things anymore. This plot was a great example of how you can combine a lot of action with a diplomatic, like, cerebral conclusion. Boimler and Rutherford didn't kill all the Ferengi and, like, you know, beam out of there at the last minute. They solved it by essentially convincing the Ferengi that it was in their capitalist interest to preserve the Mugato and give them a happy Jurassic Park type environment. Uh, and and that was that was the conclusion. And I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that it was kind of like a unexpected cerebral conclusion like that. That's something oh, yeah. that Michael Burnham couldn't have convinced them of because she just can't understand capitalism and and why anyone would turn to capitalism. Sorry, that was a throwback to our uh, book episode. <laughs> anyway. are, are we haven't had an episode of book. We have had an episode of Wonderlands. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, we haven't had an episode on book. We've had an episode on Wonderlands <laughs> in which book appears. <laughs> funny. Sorry. Funny. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so, okay. So, so uh, yeah, go ahead, Adam. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I love that... Um, like this kind of makes me uh, think back to that episode where uh, uh, Mariner is like is watching um, uh, Jack Ransom like uh, uh, trying to like be super ethical in like how he's he's like standing up for for things and it's just uh, I, I I love that uh, our characters in this show are like are huge fans of like that TNG style of resolution of things where it's like the yeah, like you said, the um, Picard standing in the window, and so so I love that it's like a game that they play, and then that's all, and like they solve this one by a PowerPoint presentation, basically. <laughs> just that's also pretty Kirk esque to... too, though. You know, when he like wants to reason, or what is he talk the computer to death or whatever? Yes. You know, I mean, so that's kind of that's a TOS thing too. And and one other quick point here, which this plot also. Ex- explicitly calls out what a lot of us have been saying that Mariner keeps getting away with a lot of stuff that she pulls on her friends. I forget the exact line now, but basically I, I, it, it's called out that she, she just has a lot of stuff that she does to interfere with people's plans and, and never has any kind of consequences from that stuff. So I enjoyed that immensely as well. Yeah, it, like the the show is willing to reference itself just as much as it's willing to reference other uh, Star Treks, which I I, I think really uh, will help this show as it as it gets going. Like a, a lot of like my favorite comedy shows end up like what makes them great often is like how well season two fits into season one and season three references both of them and and onto that. So I, I'm I'm just I'm looking forward to a a lower decks that's just as much like joking about itself as it is about referencing other episodes and other series. And I don't know Nach, if now's the time we transition into character development, but let's do it. Let's I, do it. I, I liked, I think Mariner fit well, um, in this episode, uh, they didn't overextend, um, flog, um, um, any, any stereotype that they were, they were, trying over the last few episodes. Um, and it's interesting. It was almost like we as an audience um, watching our podcasting audience um, were very intrigued with her past, right? Like over, over the last season as well. Um, and it was good to see uh, Boimford um, also get intrigued. 
Um, and I think they can take that somewhere um, with Mariner. They can continue to uh, tease that out. And who knows, she may or may not be um, um, Section 31. <laughs> Haven't you boys ever wondered how she's able to kick so much ass and get away with whatever she wants? Uh, it's, I mean, it would make a lot of sense if she's a secret agent. I don't know. I can't shake that conspiracy theory oh, now sure. after hearing it. For sure. Like, if you're being accused of being one... And then somebody throws two tricorders at you, you're obviously going to let them hit your face, right? That's like a no-brainer, right? <laughs> right? Um, and, and the USS Atlantis, where she sh- served, where nearly half the crew succumbed to Kerplikian lice infestation. Uh, and so Starfleet just wrote them off the books. When you say succumb, <laughs> isn't they died? They died. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> it, it was too. Oh, I didn't think that they died. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, that's so so Starfleet was so embarrassed by the cause of death that they that they wrote it off the books. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I mean this I think this this episode really demonstrates how Mariner can push some of the action forward, but doesn't have to be like kind of like the the focus of of every like the main plot of the episode, where we can really let the other characters shine a bit and get their moment under the sun. And she has an important role to play, but it's not quite like the, you know, she's in every scene, she's causing all the shenanigans, like everything's her fault. So it kind of, yeah, I think it, it adds to the ensemble feel a little bit when something like that happens, when, when we get a little bit more and of the others. Yeah, the, the writers have grown a little bit since they, they force uh, Burnham to be like the driving person in every single scene of every single episode. Uh, where, yeah, we don't have to do that to Mariner quite to that extent. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, uh, I, I, I think what's, what's nice about it is like, this is a good explanation for things. And when it's going to be funny to have a section 31 episode, it, they can bring it up again and be like, oh, I actually am a secret agent. You know, like it's, it's one of those things that like, it's okay. It can stay throw away for now and they can just bring it up later and, make it real if they want to and if they don't whatever what about the the stuff she says about her friendships how she's never had friends really mm-hmm. i think she said that before as well to some extent when she was um talking to boimler and how he was a really close friend i don't recall specifically but um yeah I, I, this is not the first i've heard it come up um yeah well, and then yeah, they kind of, I feel like they kind of touched on that last week with Tendi. Like just the way they were interacting mm-hmm. with each other. I don't know. I kind mm-hmm. of felt like that was a kind of a thing like Mariner doesn't ever really get super close well, and, to people. And, and or... Boimler has that, has that problem too of like he is ultimately more what has been more interested in like getting close to like the higher ups so that he can keep rising the ranks. Maybe he's he's like matured now and, and won't have quite that same level of it but like he uh there's that little bit of boimler that is good he like however much he is your friend he will throw you under the bus if it gets him a meeting with tom paris or whatever <laughs> like <laughs> the uh I, I think they all have that that part of them uh maybe not so much uh rutherford but um maybe we just haven't explored that in him yet I think I think that's a, that's an astute observation, Adam. Which is that even with with Mariner, you know, you could see how more competent kind of boundary setting individuals would be like, "You've just ruined like multiple experiences that I was assigned to. We're not friends anymore. You need to 
I'm cutting you out of my life. And so it'd be hard for her to kind of make friends who put up with her. Mm-hmm. So. And why she gets assigned to five different starships. Yeah. When she's presumably not that old. Now, I mean, with Boimler and Rutherford in terms of ca- character development, there wasn't a lot of like, uh, individually, I think both together now we learned that they've been practicing Ambojutsu with to try and beat Mariner. They've been practicing at like two in the morning or whatever it is. <laughs> and they still get their asses kicked. Um, and I like that they were competent enough to actually resolve everything on their own. Like, again, we, you know, they're, they're portrayed yeah. as kind of dim-witted in some ways, but they're really not. Like, they, they do achieve the objective. They complete the mission every time. And so they, they have good heads on their shoulders. They really have good skin. Yeah, skins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our brains are inside our skins. <laughs> uh, so, so that was cool. Would you like to play Diplomath? Now, I want to play Diplomath. <laughs> Adam, that sounds oh, like yeah. your kind of game. Oh, abs- absolutely, yeah. I, I, I was definitely getting some risk vibes out of there, and hundred uh, percent. I I generally like board games in which nobody really wins, like Settlers of Catan, or like more than nobody wins, where you're not playing yeah. against one another. Settlers of Catan. It's like strategy with each other, or, or right. cooperative kind of games. Oh, I, yeah. I I I don't. Maybe you haven't played Settlers of Catan with me. I, I have definitely been able to uh, turn that into just a ruthless. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you can do that, but you can't like directly like attack pandemic. somebody. You just have to like passive aggressively like take over. Oh, yeah, it's and, and it, it's it definitely turns into like a, well, I'm also not going to win, but it's just so that you can lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, diplomat. Yeah, <laughs> there's a board game called uh, Pandemic. If you guys have heard of it, where you that's what I, I oh, mentioned yeah. that a second oh, ago. Sorry, it's one sorry. of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I it was we were all talking on top of each other, which we've all done this entire episode, <laughs> <laughs> entire series of podcasts. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, Pandemic's definitely one of those cooperative games, though, where you, I mean, you're if if you're playing to to win you're on your own um it's not gonna work out so well <laughs> yeah i i uh i lost pl- we, we had a group playing pandemic together uh pandemic season one but then um something happened in march of 2020 that interfered with our being able to continue <laughs> playing that game yeah. So, yeah. we all started playing that game let's put it that way Every yeah. yep uh, and yep. we're losing we're losing yeah, it yeah. because it's a group project and and half of the group doesn't understand how you're supposed to play in a pandemic right uh tendy is shown as a driven character who like is kind of like uh is 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 the is dog with a bone the right metaphor there uh yeah, broken bone yeah <laughs> she just chases after something gets it done Tana is shown to hate doctors <laughs> the cat she is um, yeah and it, it, I do was, oh. well, it, it, what's great about that is that it, it fits both with the I, I feel like we've gone into this stereotype with Star Trek before of like that doctors are their are their own worst patients but that also that cats hate going to the vet <laughs> it's just a, <laughs> a, a, a wonderful dupl- duplication of that I just now want to see someone take Ta'ana off the ship in a carrier like that that's oh. <laughs> I really want that now or there's a shuttle just for occasions that is actually like a carrier um like 
design like yeah well or like you, how you have you know the cat always wants to go in the box until it's the carrier and then it doesn't want to go and you're like trying to squeeze and it's like you know so that, you know anyway yeah we need, we need to see fine. her all, all four limbs yeah, like exactly. stuck out have y'all um have y'all did you also notice in the background there was a kazinti for the first time since um the animated series which is also kind of like a sort of cat like e um furry species which to me has yeah. always i couldn't find any references to this but it refers to the kazin which is a species that shows up in a lot of mid-century sci-fi explicitly ring world the ring world series has the kazin where these cat-like aliens basically they're giant walking cats um also kind of like the kilrathi in um wink the wing commander series mm. they're kind of all kind of very similar alien species so the kazinti there's a background kazinti now in in on the cerritos Interesting. so, so that's, that's another quick little piece um don't think there was much more in terms of uh character development that we noticed you know, Freeman was on the screen for like two seconds. Same with Ransom and everybody else. Shax. Mm-hmm. Um, Shax is, uh, likes to track animals by a lot of poo tasting. I don't know if we covered that yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty Continuous. Pretty and is also <laughs> sensitive about uh, endangered species genitals. Yeah. Uh, genitals, yeah. rather. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, aren't everyone's? <laughs> uh, that's exactly what we said when we were watching it. <laughs> pretty sure mine are too. <laughs> oh man, that's pretty great. That was pretty great. Well, expansion of the world of Shrek, we saw the first, uh, like, I think it's the first time we've seen like a full like gym being used by like a lot of people on the starship. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's been in other stuff, but I don't remember seeing a, a, a scene like this before, where there are multiple characters on treadmills and stuff. Well, we we saw. Um, so maybe it was. I guess it was technically holographic, but we in. Um, I think Mariner was in the holodeck, and there was a uh, a gym where there was a bunch of naked men, wasn't there? Yeah, that was the naked Olympic training facility. That was in the first episode <laughs> yeah, where she's yeah. like shows. Um, yeah, but like in previous episodes of Star Trek, it's always been like the fencing room where it's just the two of them fencing or like the like in TOS. size room with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's always like the, the, ca- the characters who are like doing the activity are the only ones present. This was like the first like communal gym, I feel like. Hmm. I feel like we've seen some gym scenes in Enterprise. Archer and T'Pol ran on treadmills in the gym on the NX... Enterprise and we've in seen people using. Uh, I've seen people doing weights in the gym. It was the um, on Enterprise. I the think. Orion Slaves episode with uh, Reed and um, Reed and. <laughs> <laughs> You're like on a leash, Rudy. <laughs> yeah, I am. Maybe I'm a Kishan. Um, yeah, Rudy and I are sharing uh, headphones, and every time I bend down to pick up something I've dropped, for example, he gets pulled along with me. <laughs> All right, all right. Keep so, going. I'm sorry. Yeah, what was I saying? I was saying um, the Orion episode with the slaves, right? Yeah, yeah. Where they're they're affected by the pheromones and um, yeah. they're trying to bump weights, and that that's a way yeah. to distract themselves or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, honestly, gym scenes would be far more acceptable to me than decon. It's kind of is almost stupid how Enterprise didn't use that to their For advantage. Sure. Just show them working out a whole lot. 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, because clearly the actors have to do this anyway to look like that. So uh, we might as well like, get screen time out of it, too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Every character on Enterprise, seriously. So we added Diplomath to the world of Star Trek. And we added the Tractor Factor. Previously, I don't think we've heard that the Tractor beam in multiple settings. Because in this one, the captain um... asks, like, hey, I told I told you to use the Tractor beam when the, the crew... When the, hmm. the, Trader ship explodes and the crew members yeah. like, yeah, I use the lowest tractor factor. So little a little catch there of something new. Had we seen that kind of um snare or trap before? I found that interesting. I mean it's not it's not not something to celebrate, but it was You mean the thing yeah, that, the, that she got yeah, her, f- her um foot caught in? Force field one. That was an interesting concept. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a I've seen that in um it's kind of like how the minds are in Knights of the Old Republic, which is a Star Wars video game. Ah. So I, I've seen it in there, but I don't know if you've seen anything quite like it in Star, Star Trek. Mm. So the Mugato Trap. All right. Well, any final notes on this episode, y'all, before we move on to strange new ratings? I have one last one. I liked how Mariner um, just uh, made fun of the whole Ferengi economic system saying hey you could just replicate the stuff you trade um don't need a lot <laughs> for that you don't need to trade stuff you're stupid um so yeah i don't know if i agree with her but it was an interesting take yeah i mean it is it is one of those like what what are you doing like why why don't you just but maybe it's replicator technology not everybody has it and uh you know i i don't know there's probably been some theses written about this topic Oh, but I don't think today is the day to uh, to to go read those and continue sharing those on our podcast. So, um, <laughs> we can do another bonus episode on. Uh, we can read some white papers or uh, research topics. Yeah, I mean, it it is obviously one of those things where it's like, why does Latinum even exist in a scarcity free war- galaxy? But Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to strange new ratings. Which of you would like to stick your necks out and give this episode a rating? Uh, I'm I, mine's not complicated here. It's a, and I guess I already spoiled it. It's a it's a ten. Uh, happened the moment uh, the we had that one watching with stroking his horn. That was just <laughs> go, golden, perfect episode. Uh, so this one is now this this one's right up there with in the pale moonlight. For me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm not gonna go that far. I'll give it a four point five out of five. <laughs> but I did enjoy the episode. It was funny. So I am trying to find a unit of measure. And I don't want to use horns. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to go with um, 9.5 blue dunk piles out of 10. <laughs> there were there were a whole lot in this episode. <laughs> yeah, there were. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a 10 from me. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think this is... I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to have to experiment. When someone says, like, I've never watched Star Trek, this might have to be the first one I show them and see what happens. <laughs> Everything is like this. Star Trek The Next Generation, exactly like this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, extremely enjoyable. Well, I can say similar things about recording with you all today. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Rudy, for, for sharing your opinions on this episode with me. And uh, 
headphones. Thanks, Thank Notch. you, Nat. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Thanks, Notch. Thank you, dear listener, for always making time for us in your week. We hope we bless your ears with uh, a lot of great blue dung piles. Uh, thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. We always enjoy listening to you strum away at the guitar, playing in the Klingon theme. And uh, special thanks to the Mugato for having three names. Just a small source of joy in our lives, you know. And always enjoy when a Gumato comes on screen. All right, everybody. That's it for now. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.